0: Hello listeners, welcome to the Web Chatham Report, episode 104. Hello, how you doing? Happy Saturday, what is new? Doing alright. Doing alright over here. A little achy today, not gonna lie. I don't know why. I got my booster last Friday. And then I felt like crap last Saturday. Uh Pfizer booster on top of two Moderna shots. And also got my flu vaccine. And yeah, I didn't feel great at all on Saturday. Nothing like the first time around. I just very achy and sore and tired. And that's how I feel today. And I don't know why. Very mysterious, I've been getting enough exercise, I've been eating pretty well, fitter, happier, more productive. Um, Yeah, I don't know, I just feel kind of like us today. Um, I had to rally to do this, not gonna lie, but we're here, we're doing it, I'm feeling good. It was day 614 of my pandemic quarantine. (laughs) That is so crazy. I don't know how I feel about that. But we will persevere. I think we're going to go to New York in uh, three weeks or so, December 5th, maybe, hopefully. I keep telling people I'm going to. Made plans last night with a friend. Got a bunch of shows to see. (laughs) But I, um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It was everything was trending in the right direction. But the last few days, I feel like it's leveled off. I think this might be with us forever, which I can live with once my daughter is vaccinated. But that ain't happening by December 5th. Uh, we did go to a show in the last two weeks. The Psychedelic Furs came to town. My wife really wanted to go. They had come back during the midterm elections three years ago, something like that, and we didn't go because it was election night, and I was we were very stressed about the Democrats taking back the House or the Senate, preferably both, but just, you know, at least one to get the show on the road with uh, derailing Trump and his insanity. So we stayed home and watched an election results, but in the end it turned out to be really stupid because there was no chance that the House, and now I've learned this, because California is so fucking slow with returning results that there's no chance that the House is going to be called the night of an election anymore. Uh, those battleground districts in Orange County <laughs> <laughs> seem to matter a whole lot these days. Anyway, we didn't go to the psychedelic first, and my wife has profoundly regretted it since, and uh, really just kind of a shocking amount, to the point where she decided it was worth it to leave the House. Which I think is the first thing she's really gone to since the pandemic started. She's kind of a, you know, got, got some introverted tendencies and generally happy to stay home. And of course, is working. Oh, let's get my legs out here and uh, parenting. So you know, not a lot of free time anyway. But she really wanted to go, so we went. It was a uh, one of the you know mask requirement inside, which was nice. Um, but it was one of those vaccinations or negative tests in the last three days, which is bullshit. If you ask me, It should just be vaccinations. Negative test doesn't cut it. And then, of course, you know, it's a bar, it's a club, so they're like, wear your mask at all times, except for when you're drinking. And they did the PA announcements. They're like, we mean, except for when you're drinking, take the drink, put your mask back on. But people ignored it, like five ten percent Those people can really ruin a night, man. It's just such a bummer. It's like 90% of the people are sitting there complying, and you leave that, an event like that thinking to yourself, people suck. It's just, yeah, it's frustrating. Good show, though. Um kind of a little bit not my favorite sound mix very well reviewed from other people which I thought was interesting Uh, I really liked the new psychedelic Out for album too but when they sounded good some of the songs a couple of the new ones and then Heaven just sounded perfect so you know I'm happy I went this is the first show I've seen in (laughs) in probably about two years that's crazy I used to see a thousand bands a year but uh, (laughs) yeah so we did that that was fun it's fall the leaves are turning it's gorgeous actually right now I just went outside to pick some lettuce and spinach for my fall garden for dinner tonight and it's really smoky which I've never seen here somebody must be doing some burning (laughs) yeah that's kind of weird and it smelled a little weird too like ammonia or something I don't know it's weird out there I was like I don't like it out here I'm going back inside Um, yeah yeah you know (laughs) not big outdoor today (laughs) I feel like kind of like ass. I have been outside a lot lately. I've been doing a lot of gardening. I got new birdies beds. I, I undid all the summer garden and I filled the birdies beds with dirt. I leveled them. It was a big pain. And I I moved all the like fall gardening vegetables: the spinach and the the beets and the carrots and the radishes and the lettuce and the brassicas, broccoli, cauliflower. Moved it all into the hoop house, uh, got the birdies beds all set, took down all the the spring stuff, all the tomatoes are gone. Uh, So it looks like a fall garden, and it looks like I know what I'm doing, which is kind of nice. And then next year, it's going to be great because I got all these birdies beds in there in a better place. They get full sun. Uh, I've learned how to protect them better from deer. I'm feeling good about next year. I can do better drip irrigation over there next year. That'll be really fun. Um... So yeah, I've been outside. Well, every weekend, every day, I'm out there getting a bunch of exercise, moving dirt, wheelbarrowfuls, hauling stuff. But not today. I just don't feel like it. I feel like ass. Uh, my health is doing good otherwise. I still, you know, haven't had nicotine in months now. Still hooked on these dumb mints, uh, which is not great. But I'm I'm working my way off of them, and that's better than being hooked on nicotine. I guess. I guess. Uh, still using the treadmill every workday. You know, that's my big thing. My big health initiative is. Last winter, when we stopped walking in the evening, because of winter, I didn't get any exercise at all. So I got this treadmill, and I've been on it for an hour every day, and uh, I'm, I'm keeping up. I'm keeping up, so that's good. Uh, I got my Wigovi stuff sorted out. I haven't gone and picked it up yet, but I found a new pharmacy, got the prescription written, got it over there. They say it's there. Uh, I got to go get it. Um, I'm probably not going to start it till after the holidays. Because I'm going to eat like a pig through the holidays. (laughs) Uh, That's probably something I could speak to a therapist about, but I don't want my appetite suppressed through the holidays. (laughs) I mean, I'm the cook. I'm going to make two big, big meals. I want to be able to eat them. You know what I mean? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Jane is doing well. We got through Daylight Savings Time. She loved it. (laughs) So I decided I would wake her up. Like, I'd stagger it, right? So, you know, she usually gets up at 9, so spring forward, fall back, so she'd gain an extra hour, which means 8 o'clock would be 9 o'clock. So I didn't get her up at 8, but I pushed it to like eight fifteen, eight twenty the first day, then 8.30, then 8.45, and so across four days, I moved it until she was waking up at 9 again. But honestly, she was fine. She was like not sleeping, but she was just laying there in bed. She didn't care. And I taught her all about it, and now she, you know, this is an interesting thing. She was like, The day it happened, I was like, she's like, you know, she can tell time. And one of the first things we do in the morning is we get her watch and she puts her watch on. She says, it's nine oh five because we get her out of bed. We say hi to Grammy's house, like by opening the window and looking out at Grammy's house and waving. Then we get dressed We put her on the diaper table. We change her diaper and we get her clothes because she's still not potty drained. It's very frustrating. Um, and then we put her watch on, and so she looks at her watch. She says, it's always nine, about 9.05, you know? So she's like, it's 9.05. And that day, though, it wasn't 9.05. It was like 8.15. She's like, it's 8.15, and she had this look of consternation on her face. So i was like, yes, okay, let's explain this. So I explained all of Daylight Savings Time to her, and she, she actually seemed to grasp the concept pretty quickly. She's like, the clocks have changed. They change twice a year. I was like, yes. She's like, okay. And then we went downstairs to the kitchen, and I showed her the clock, and I showed her me changing it back, and then... We talked about it, and I was like, can you say daylight savings time? And she's like, no, she would not say the word. too big of a word, too big of a word to say daylight savings time. So we go to the basement, and we change the other clock. And she's, you know, she's getting it, and we're good, and then we have the whole day. And uh, because the clocks have changed, you know, we're, like, not sure we're going to get a walk in the evening because it's, like, dark after dinner now. It kind of fucking sucks. We've decided to keep walking in the dark, at least as long as it's warm. Jane really likes it. Anyway, uh, that day we did not walk because it was also raining. And uh, so we had an extra hour for daddy bedtime. is daddy bedtime that night. Um, so, you know, we get upstairs at like 5.30 or something. We usually don't get up there till like 6.30. And uh, <laughs> I don't really look at my phone during daddy bedtime. And I had forgotten to change the clock upstairs in the playroom. I th- and I, I thought Emma did it. So I ended up accidentally putting her to bed at 7.30. 30. <laughs> And I like haven't noticed we're doing this, and she comes up, <laughs> and she's like, it's only 7.30, and I'm like, oh, we forgot the clocks change, and I get her out of bed, and we go over, and we get the clock off the wall, and we change it, and she's, she sees she has another hour, and she goes and plays her another hour, and then we go to bed, and she's great. She's been talking about that all week. She's just, like, so excited. What did that? what happened on Sunday? The clocks change. Daddy put me to bed an hour early. It's super cute. and. All day on Sunday, I'm like, can you say Daylight Savings Time? She's like, nope, nope. But since then, every day, what happened on Sunday? It was Daylight Savings Time. She says it just fine. (laughs) But she would not say it to me when I ask. But she can say it. So yeah, other than that, she's really into counting down from 100. On her walk, she counts down from 100, just sits there counting. She loves counting. She's so into counting. She's into math. Uh, She's been drawing a lot of pictures of kitties. She likes drawing pictures of kitties. She said something wise the other day when she was in a sad mood. She said, it takes a while to become happy. And I was like, yes, it does. <laughs> I thought that was pretty nice. Uh, and then, yeah, she's still not interested in potty training. Emma is like doing trench warfare with the potty training, and it's slowly working. And she watched some instructional thing, and that's helping. Um, I'm trying to help. It's just really hard in the morning when I'm working and watching her. And be like, you're not going to wear a diaper right now. I just I can't really do it. Um, so the plan is over Thanksgiving holiday to go you know, I'm taking nine days off, I think, something like that. It's a lot it's a lot of days off. And uh just go whole hog and try and get this potty training thing done. That would be nice. That would be nice. Uh I don't even know. Actually, I don't really mind. Whatever. I've been changing divers for four years. <laughs> She lies. She lies about it though, man. And then she gets a rash. Like this morning, I was like, "Did you poop?" And She's like, "No." And I was like, "Can I check?" And she's like, "No." And I'm like, "Are you lying?" She's like, "No." And I'm like, "I know you are. You sure?" I, we need to change the poop if there's poop in your diaper because you get a rash, and then you the rash you get an ouchie, and you don't like the ouchie. She's like, "No poop." I'm like, "Okay, I'm gonna trust you that there's no poop." Do you know trust this? She's like, "Yes, no poop." I'm like, "Okay." Ten minutes later, Emma comes down for you know this is this morning. I'm like, morning daddy time and it's weekend and and she had lied and so then it looks like I didn't change her diaper and I'm like Jane you lied to me I trusted you and then she's like mommy changed poop I'm like this is not cool man I mean she doesn't mind me changing poops to be clear I mean she definitely obviously prefers mommy to me in general but I can change poops and she just lied and I'm just so bummed I hate it when she lies to me and she also has this thing where she just says opposites all the time that's a good thing no it's not a good thing uh water is blue water's No, opposite, opposite, opposite. And I'm just like, please stop saying opposites. But we are making some progress. Sometimes I'm like, you're being mean, you're yelling, and you can get what you want by asking and saying, please. And she can actually get under control. It takes a supreme amount of effort, and it only happens like one in 10 times, but she can do it. And she did it this morning. She was yelling at me where I was setting the kitty down when we were doing diaper. And I'm like, could you just stop yelling at me? And you can ask nicely where you want me to put kitty. She's like, put kitty there, please. And I was like, yes, okay. Like, she could do it. And I was like, thank you. Thank you. I gave her a little kiss. Made her proud. Uh, yeah, anyway, she's good. I like my daughter. She's pretty cool. What else is going on? Work is pretty good. Uh, anything really happening exciting at work? Uh, mm, not too much. Renewing the insurance. It's very, very exciting. Very annoyed with the insurance company. They gave me two days over this holiday weekend. You know, we have Veterans Day off. Uh, to fill out like a hundred pages for insurance application. I'm just like, this is not cool. So like this other broker friend of ours has been trying to get our business. uh, I was like, all right, well, here you go. Apparently this insurance expires in like a week. And I am very sorry that I didn't give you more time, but these people usually gave me more time and they didn't this year. Come to think of it, that's probably why they did it. So I don't have any time. So I can't get a different broker so that she might be able to beat them. We'll see. Uh yeah, I don't know, you know, what what's going on at work. Our big secret plan making progress. Uh just plugging away, plugging away at work. I like my job. I it's it's interesting. It's a the master plan is going very slowly, I'm not going to lie. It's very frustrating that it goes very slowly, but the master plan is going according to plan and it is a very ambitious master plan and it is generally working and that is kind of a miracle. And so what happens is the effect day to day is like, it's a bunch of people working against a master plan that makes progress against a master plan. And generally it's kind of amazing that the master plan is still working. It's hard to believe it's always working and it goes so slow. Sometimes you can get up and lost in your head and convince yourself that the master plan is not working anymore. Uh, And you get a little like, you know, freaked out, but then something happens and you're like, no, that is concrete evidence that the master plan is still working. We are on track and it's really weird. So it's like a job and you're just working. It's like, it's like if the job was you're sitting in front of a mountain and you got a shovel and you got to dig the mountain away. But once you dig the mountain away, the whole world's changing, become a billionaire or something. So you're like, OK, well, I got to keep digging at this mountain at my own pace. It's going to take a really long time, but it's still working. The mountain's still moving. <laughs> it's kind of a weird metaphor. But yeah, that's kind of how work is. Uh, yeah, I like it. I like it. Uh, let's see. And then uh, I guess uh, the last thing is we got the good morning. Hello. How are you book? Uh, I've been working on that uh, with Lisa Carver. She is doing an edit on it. Uh, She will have the edit to me on December 1st, she says. So uh, 17 more days. Uh, This is really part one. It goes up through when I went to Alaska for my dad's funeral. She really likes it. She's the only person that's read it in real time and the edited form. And so I don't know. We'll see. I'm excited it's almost done. Um, I mean, it won't be almost done once she gives you that. i got to like make it into a book and get it up on Amazon and do a pre-sale for friends. And, but it's not inconceivable that it will be done for Christmas. So that's pretty cool. That makes me happy. Uh, and i got another new project I'm working on with my friends, Doug and Flood and Catherine. And uh, I can't really talk about it yet, but it's a great project. And it's super fun. And it's been really... Really good time working with friends on that, you know, not to imply that the people I work with at the time aren't my friends. I mean, they are my friends, but um, I miss Doug. It's been good. It's been good working on this thing, this weird thing we're doing together. It's kind of funny, too. Someday we'll be able to talk about it. Probably. There is some debate about whether we're doing this under our real names or anonymously. <laughs> so maybe you'll never know. Maybe you'll never know. We'll see. But that's been really nice, too. So I do have more. You know, it's interesting. I can't really talk about the master plan at work. Can't really talk about that project. Uh, It's tough. A lot of projects sometimes. Uh, Oh, and then this guy, Hunter, this guy I knew years ago, uh, wants to do some music together. Just sent me his tracks. So I haven't even listened to him yet. That was just last night. But I might be making some music again. That would be really cool as well. So, yeah, projects, projects are happening. All right, let's do media. What do we got here? All right, Plex. So Plex is an issue. Uh, As I mentioned two weeks ago, I had to rebuild my Plex server. I did a firmware update on the QNAP. For some reason, it corrupted the log files, uh, the catalog files on Plex. And I made the call that it was easier to rebuild the libraries than try and uncorrupt the catalog files. And I think maybe I made the wrong call because some of my people, you guys, that I've shared the Plex libraries with, it's working fine. But several of you have had problems reconnecting to the Plex libraries. Um, Most of the time it's fixed. If you ping me and ask me and I can re-add you, Uh, you can also try and just deleting it and re-adding it yourself. But yeah, I, I regret that because it's causing everybody a bunch of grief. So I think next time this happens, I will grab the catalog files and restore the entire Plex directory from Backblaze versus rebuilding it. I made the wrong call, and I apologize. Anyway, it is back up and running, It's going. it's looking good, so uh, let me know if you need help reconnecting. Uh, I have recently added The Green Knight, uh, a documentary about Linda Ronstadt called The Sound of My Voice, Black Widow, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, Free Guy, uh, James Cameron's 2000 television series Dark Angel, both seasons one and two, and the Burt Reynolds classic film Smokey and the Bandit in 4K, no less. Uh, I believe I told the story before because I fucking tell the story all the time. But I sat right next to Burt Reynolds in a cinema behind the screen, right behind the screen, like a 50 foot screen next to Burt Reynolds, watching Smokey and the Bandit well, the year before he died, sitting next to 70 plus year old Burt Reynolds, looking up at the godlike Adonis that was young Burt Reynolds on the screen. It was one of the most moving moments of my life. It was intense. And that was one of my favorite movies when I was a kid. So, <laughs> Smoking the Bandit, 4K. I bought the Blu-ray. <laughs> Most of those I bought the Blu-rays. I'm a legal, I'm a legal guy. I don't pirate. Uh, okay, Shang-Chi, I, I did not buy the Blu-ray. But I'm going to when it comes out. Because I buy them, rip them, sell them. Which is plausibly illegal. That's my shtick uh Discogs sales I sold 3 things Uh, I sold the Kalima CD it's a band sort of a world music jazz combo that was on Factory Records never really loved them but back 10 years ago when I collected the entirety of the Factory Records catalog I had to get the Kalima album so I got that sold that sold the band called the Angels and Airways that I know nothing about I can't remember how I got it. it might actually have been like an acquaintance's band I don't really know but it was still sealed even um so I sold that, and then I accidentally bought two copies of the St. Etienne's new album I've Been Trying to Tell You on Blue Vinyl. I sold the extra copy, and uh, no diss on that album, though, man. That St. Etienne album is, like, one of the best albums of the year. Fantastic. Uh, new vinyl. Fair amount of new vinyl. Got the new Pink Floyd Momentary Lapse of Reason 2021 Remix Remaster. Uh, it's on double 45, L- 45, not LP, 2X45. Uh, it's great. I love that album. It is my favorite Pink Floyd album. Don't at me. Uh, I'm a is my second. Adam Hart. Mother's my third. The Wall and Dark Side are four and five. <laughs> I love Dave Gilmore. I can't help it. Anyway, uh, it's great. I love that record. Got the new Lana Del Rey Blue Bannisters. Fantastic album. Got that on vinyl. That is beautiful as well. Uh, I got this picture. I don't know if I've mentioned this to you guys, but. This is a band that had like a one hit wonder on WFNX in Boston in like the early 90s. And I that song always goes through my head. It's not on Spotify. Uh, I found it on YouTube and I was like, this whole album is really good. It's called A Violent Impression. And uh, I found the song and I was listening to it constantly. And I was like, I want this on vinyl. And I found a copy of vinyl from some like record store in Vermont that was still sealed. (laughs) (laughs) And it's such a good record. It's like, they're sort of like this wannabe YouTube band, but they are like, I don't know. I just love them. Uh, I love a violent impression by this picture. There's no way you can, well, you know, you can check it out on YouTube, I guess. And then uh, that retailer in Vermont also had the Monsterland 10-inch single. Uh, Monsterland was uh, another, you know, I dimly knew them back in the day, but my friend Bill has, is really into them and it's reminded me how good they were. And I've been listening to them on Spotify and YouTube a lot, and uh, I wanted this loser-friendly 10-inch by Mo- Monsterland for a while, and they had it for, like, a couple bucks, so I got that, too. It's kind of shoegaze, kind of smashing pumpkins meets sho- shoegaze, you know, that whole, like, Drop 19 smashing orange sound. <laughs> yeah, I know. You, I know you know that Drop 19 smashing orange sound. <laughs> I don't know my audience very well, do I? (laughs) Anyway, it's really good. Monsterland, loser-friendly. Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. I bought the 7LP box set, B-Sides and Rarities Parts 1 and 2. So Nick Cave's B-Sides and Rarities Part 1 came out CD-only, three CDs, maybe 10 years ago, maybe less, before I moved here, which was like six years ago. And, uh, but it was never released in vinyl. And then just this year, just now, they became the bad seeds, put out B-Sides and Rarities Part 2. And in putting out Part 2, which is also a 3-CD box set, they released a box set of the vinyl for both Parts 1 and Part 2. So I got that. It's pretty minimalist. You know, it's the seven LPs, and it's got a book. It's in a box. But, you know, no colored vinyl, no 180 gram, not a lot of elaborate packaging or anything. Um... You know, the B-sides on the first part one are like, they're like imprinted on my soul. I used to buy every Nick Cave single. Like, I often preferred the b side Some of those songs are like some of my favorite songs in the world. Like, Right Now, Roaming, and his cover of Helpless, and his cover of Leonard Cohen's Tower of Song. and That's what jazz is to me, the B-side of Red Right Hand. <laughs> White Blossoms Falling on the Cherry Tree, that's what jazz is to me. Uh, but then, you know, the B sides for the second part two, I don't really know at all. I buy the albums, but I never, you know, a lot of those have been unreleased. So it's a very different sort of beast. So it's really interesting listening to all seven discs. It's like songs that I've known for 25 years. that are some of the most important music in my life. And songs that I've never heard and will probably never listen to again. So kind of weird, but I'm happy I own it. Uh, I'm, you know, I would say I'm happy I own those songs on vinyl, but most of them I already do on seven inches and things like that. Uh, yeah, oh girl at the bottom of my glass. God, what a fantastic song. That is like one of my favorite songs. Deanna Acoustic. Ooh. Man, yeah, that Deanna Twelve. Anyway, uh great, great box set. Um then I did a mail order uh because I found a cheap copy of Black Cherry by Goldfrap reissue. Uh and I really love that record. And that that seller also had Felt Mountain reissue by Goldfrap on vinyl and Spiritualized Songs A&E the one Spiritualized album I never owned on vinyl the original pressing and then Dead Can Dance Spirit Chaser the other the one Dead Can Dance album I never owned on vinyl so I just picked all those up it was pretty they're not cheap and not expensive mid-priced range uh, and those all just came yesterday so I haven't really re-listened to all those yet the War on Drugs, I don't live here anymore. New album from The War on Drugs. Fantastic record. Really into it. I would say it was the album of the week, except for the Taylor Swift album came out this week. But I guess the War on Drugs album came out last week. Uh I listened to that a lot. So there's not a lot of actually new music I listened to this week because I was listening to The War on Drugs so much and then I was listening to Taylor Swift so much. Oh, and Blue Bannisters. My God, I listened to that like 30 times in the last two weeks. But that's all the new vinyl, and here are the other albums I did listen to in the last week, two weeks, uh, Flower Travelin' Band. Julian Cope wrote a book, Julian Cope of course, the famed English singer-songwriter originally in The Teardrop Explodes, and then had a pretty big hit single called World Shut Your Mouth. World shut your mouth, shut your mouth. Uh, Anyway, uh... I have always been a big Julian Cope fan, but more specifically of his writing. He wrote two fantastic autobiographies, and uh, they're just two of the best books about rock and roll. He wrote a book called The Modern Antiquarian. That is a book about all of the Stonehenge's, not Stonehenge, but the other henges like Stonehenge, smaller ones throughout England. Uh, And he wrote two books on music, uh, Krautrock Sampler and Japrock Sampler. And I bought Japrock Sampler recently. I did not own it. Um the one other thing I'll say about Julian Cope is that years ago Emma and I went to All Tomorrow's Parties at Butland's Minehead. It was the one that Portishead put on, and they invited both Julian Cope, who did a fantastic solo show, is sort of his black leather biker like kind of thing. And uh also Sun, stylized as Sun O, played a show. Uh and for the Sun show, Julian Cope dressed up as an ent. Like a tree and sang with Sun, but he didn't really sing. He did sort of like druidic chanting while dressed up like a tree, backed by the band Sun. And it was one of the greatest, weirdest rock shows I've ever seen. It made me very, very happy. And it was not announced to be that, it was just announced as a Sun show. And I've seen Sun a bunch and I will never miss them. And I take great joy in bringing my wife to Sun, girlfriend at the time and watching her get kind of annoyed she they're so sonically assaultive she doesn't get bored but she's always just like why are we doing this (laughs) but that one she was enthralled and mesmerized because julian cope and i remind her of it because they play world shut your mouth on first wave a lot (laughs) world shut your mouth and i'm like that's the dude that's the tree guy (laughs) Anyway, I recently bought Jap Rock Sampler and because I was really into uh Les Relis uh, De Nude, we've been talking about them, Les Les Release De Nude, the Japanese psych rock band I was listening to the previous two weeks. Uh, I got this uh Jap Rock Sampler book and I've been listening to Flower Traveling band Satori, another early 60s Japrock band. Turns out I've actually seen them. I had forgotten. I saw them at much later incarnation, the main, well, the main guy is still in the band, but everybody else is a totally different song. Then Factory in Williamsburg back when I lived there. Uh, but yeah, anyway, fantastic band, fantastic album. Satori, uh, The The, one of my all-time favorite bands, has a live album called The Comeback Special. I was aware of this. I really wanted to go. He did a reunion, small reunion tours, reunion shows in London, in England, and I wanted to go so bad. I've seen The The several times, but not in... More than a decade, 20 years almost. Uh, God, Jesus, yes. <laughs> Last time I saw him in the Middle East downstairs, I think it was like when I was dating Emily. It was like, Jesus. And then I saw the Dusk Tour. Anyway, uh, yeah, Comeback Special. It sounds fantastic. It spans their whole career. It's really good. Uh, strong recommend is a live album. I'm into it. Uh, of course, I listened to the new ABBA over and over again. Fantastic record. <laughs> I don't know if you are an ABBA fan, but there is a new album, ABBA album this week, and it a new, a, a new ABBA album. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. I kind of want to go see their weird live... I don't know how, even how you go, but I want to see their weird holographic tour. I think it'd be fun. Um, Hannah Vu, new signing to Ghostly Records, album called Public Storage. I really, really, really liked it. It's... it's Her songs are popping up all over my mixtapes this week. I would say it's more in the dark, sophisticated pop school of ghostly records than their electronica stuff, but yeah, it's really good. Uh, Okay, so Slipstream. My friend Michael, who is aware of how big of a spiritualized fan I am, uh, alerted me to this Slipstream record. Slipstream is a band that has been around... For quite some time, uh, it consists mainly of Mark Refoy and Johnny Maddock. Johnny Matic and Mark Refoy are two of the original members of Spiritualized. They were in the band through Ladies and... Uh, not Up until, but not on, Ladies and Gentlemen, We Were Floating in the Space, if I'm not mistaken. They are on Laser Guided Melodies, they are on the Medication Single, and I'm pretty sure they're on Pure Phase. Anyway, they had albums back then. I bought them. They toured America. I saw them. They stayed at my house <laughs> in Alston when they came to play Boston. And... Uh, but I did not know they were still a band. Apparently, they just put out like one record a decade. They do a lot of other stuff. Uh, but yeah, the album's called Liberty, and I really enjoyed it. It's very drony. Very happy drone. Slow, happy drone. Really into it. Uh, ESP Summer. ESP Summer is the long-running collaboration between... <laughs> Ian Masters, formerly of the Pale Saints, and Warren Fever, formerly of His Name is Alive, two 480 all-stars of the early 90s. Both uh, been doing this on and off for years. It's more avant-garde psych. Uh, the new one is called Kingdom of Heaven, and I loved it. You may not. It is drony, droney-noisy psych rock. Uh, very slow, kind of uh, dirty, grungy. But I really enjoyed it. So, on top of that, they... Did a little feature in Brooklyn Vegan where Ian Masters and Warren DeFever listed some like important albums in their lives, and I listened to a bunch of that stuff because I hadn't heard of a lot of it. I had heard of some, but I hadn't heard a lot of it. So I listened to The Electric Prunes, Mass and F Minor, which is like a droney kraut rock thing, uh, Kumbatu de Heath, uh, the album Kawaida, which was a jazzy world music thing, uh, Kurzi Erguner, and Suleiman Erguner, Sufi music of Turkey. My mother-in-law gave me a lot of shit for that one when she came in to get Jane one morning. It was just like Turkish Sufi flute music, but I really enjoyed it. Uh, Caetano Veloso. Uh, the album's called Arasa Azul, which is like a 70s psych-rocky thing. Much more up my alley. Very Kraut rock, psych-rock, psych-rock. I really loved it. Cannibal Comics with K's self-titled album, Cannibal Comics. That one is kind of like Sunshine Poppy psych-rock. Uh, I really enjoyed it. So I listened to all of those. Because of ESP Summers' article in Brooklyn Vegan, and I enjoyed them all. I checked out the new Snail Mail, which is a very good record, called Valentine, and I love it. But uh, I was a little put off by something she said in an interview about not being an artist if you don't write your own music. I don't know. I think she accidentally misspoke. She tried not to offend, but she, she kept saying, I don't mean to offend. No shade, but then she said you're not an artist if you don't write your own music, literally, explicitly. So it was a little weird, it made me upset, but uh, it is a great record, and I enjoy it very much. And she's only like 20-something, you know, mid-20s, I don't know, she's really young. So I look forward to a very, very impressive, long career from her. Uh, and then the War on Drugs album, and then Cannons. This band was discovered by my friend Nicodadio's son, Henry who is 10 or 11, maybe 12 now, 10, something like that. Uh, And they're really good. They're synth poppy. They're a little droney. I love them. Uh, The album that he, the song that he found was on the album Shadows, which I listened to, and they had one other album called Night Drive. I listened to them both. Great band, Cannons. C-A-N-N-O-N-S. Weird, there's never been a band named Cannons before. You can always think of a new band name and be surprised nobody's taken it. But anyway, yeah, they're They're great. And then, of course, we have Taylor Swift, Red, Taylor's version, which came out yesterday and I've listened to four times since then. It is three LPs long and uh, also has a 10-minute film to accompany the new 10-minute version of All Too Well. (laughs) All right, well, yeah, I have a lot of thoughts about this record. Okay, let's see. So, you know, it starts with State of Grace. I am a big lover of State of Grace. A lot of people don't really care one way or the other about that song. Uh, I really like the sound of it. It's got this sort of like Daniel Lanois, like country, like, I don't know. I've always really like atmospheric sound to it. And a little bit of that is missing on the new version. To me, right away, I could tell this was a different version of State of Grace. Um, so, you know, that was okay. And then, you know, as the album went on, I just kind of forgot. Like, by the time we got to we're twenty 22 and we were never getting back together, like, I could not tell the difference. There's little things, like... The flange on the guitar at the beginning of We Are Never Getting Back Together is a little sounds a little bit different. There are things here and there. Um, and then, you know, if you really, really know and love a song, you notice the differences. If you just kind of dig it, you don't really notice. If it was on at a party, you wouldn't really notice. Some of them, like, I actually really like the first time. No, the last time. Sorry, the one she does with Gordon Lightbody of Snow Patrol. Uh, A lot of people don't like that song, but I love it. And honestly, I can barely tell the difference. There's one part in the whoa, 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 which I think they made better because that part was a little weird on the original. But uh, yeah, it's very expertly done as a re-recording. Interestingly, three, I would say there's probably 25 people that worked on Red across the songwriters and the producers and the engineers and whatnot. And three of them, including most notably Max Martin, the most successful songwriter of all time, do not appear on the new version of Red. Uh, obviously, he, Max Martin is a co-writer of several songs on Red, three or four, so he gets a songwriting credit again because, you know, he wrote the song with her. But he's not there as a producer. Uh, Schellenbach or somebody else would produce produced and mixed instead of Max Martin and then these two other guys, too. Now, Max is a busy man. He is incredibly successful, he's actually substantially more successful than Taylor Swift by the numbers. Um... So, you know, maybe it's conceivable he's like, ah, I don't have time. I'm busy with something else. Although recently I looked at his his current output. It seems to be like pretty reduced. I don't know. I really wonder what's up with Max. Uh, and then the other two, of course, I don't know. They're not. I've never heard of them. I mean, they're, they're successful. I looked them up on Wikipedia. They've done some other stuff. But like, it's very weird to me. Did they say no or did she not ask? That is the story I want to know about Red Taylor's version. Uh, and then we have the 10 minute long new version of All Too Well, including a Video, a 10 minute short film. Uh, and so it's interesting, like the song version, all these extra verses of all too well, really don't paint a great picture of Jake Gyllenhaal. The subject of all too well, as everybody knows, (laughs) but interestingly, you know, really, it's like, he's like self-absorbed. He's treating her like a little kid and he doesn't show for her 21st birthday party those are kind of his main offenses, but he's not, he's just like, she's just like, you were mean. He's mean to her basically, you know? Uh, but then she makes this video of all too well. And uh, they get, she gets these actors to play them effectively. Maybe not, but I mean, you know, she's making close to autobiographical as she really can here. And they, you know, the other, the song breaks and then they, she shows their like one of their arguments and it's like, He's not nearly as at fault in the video as she implies in the song. He's just kind of like was hanging out with his friends and was a little bit less of the attentive than he should have been. And she gets upset and they fight a little bit. And he he's the one that sort of breaks the fight up. I don't know. It's really weird. So everybody's like mad at Jake Gyllenhaal again today. But I'm like, I don't know, man. I think in a way this video is her saying that like maybe I was just a kid and maybe I like blew this out of proportion. But in doing so, of course, Jake Gyllenhaal is now running around uh, being hated by everybody in the world again this week. <laughs> Though on the other hand, there's this sick burn of a line about how like he gets older and his girlfriends stay the same age. And apparently the girl, you know, he's like 10 years older now and the girl he's dating is 25. So, meh, 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 meh. Anyway, I wrote a whole essay this week to to coincide with the release of the album for the, why is this interesting newsletter about Taylor's re recording project, why she's doing it, how this whole thing came about. So if you're interested in that, go ahead and Google that and check it out. Television. We finished Ted Lasso season two. Uh, I enjoyed it very much. I thought the ending, especially the two sort of like little codas on the ending were really dumb. Uh, Yeah, the Nathan subplot didn't really do it for me, but by and large, I like the show a lot as well, the second season. I'm still really into it. Uh, Still watching SNL. Tonight, Taylor Swift is on. Very exciting. Uh, (laughs) I don't remember. Oh, yeah, it was Kieran Culkin. He was funny. I don't remember who the musical guest was, but uh, it was fine. (laughs) Oh, the, oh, my God, the Cecily Strong clown abortion thing was intense, right? That That was worth watching. That was amazing. Uh, then we are still watching Mythbusters. We are almost done. I bet we'll be done by the time I talk to you next. We are on the second to last season, but the seasons get much shorter. It is very, very sad watching it without the Build Team. It's a total bummer, honestly. And, uh, yeah, they. I'm glad they just moved on. They should not have been doing that show without the Build Team uh, Foundation. We're still watching Foundation. Um, I enjoy it a lot. A lot of people, well, the reviewers, the critics and Rex sorgats did not like it. But we like it. I love the books. Um... And I did not think you would be able to film them. And they took a lot of liberties to film, but I feel like the liberties were very smart in support of how to do it. One thing in particular, I'm kind of like, eh, I don't really agree with that one. But the rest is pretty impressive. So, I don't know. So far, so good uh We then started What We Do in the Shadows new season, which I love. That show is just fantastic and hilarious. New season has all the makings of being just as great. And we watched one episode of Schmigadoon because I made some Brigadoon comment, and my wife had never heard of Brigadoon. And then I mentioned Schmigadoon, and she hadn't heard that. And she loves pretty much everybody on the cast. So we watched one episode of that. It's kind of funny. Maybe we'll continue it, but we're doing What We Do in the Shadows first. That's the television. Uh, in preparation for what we do in the shadows, we rewatch the movies, which is only the second time I'd ever seen the movie, and it was really, it's really funny. I mean, it's great, and you know, like, one thing about it is I don't think I even really knew who Taika Waititi was when I watched the movie the first time, nor did I realize when the television show started that the opening song and everything is basically straight-lifted from the film. I did not remember that at all. Uh, but it's just, you know, it's great. <laughs> Reese Darby is, an, is a well, New Zealand national treasure, <laughs> uh, and I'm really obsessed with um, the guy, the IT guy, who is actually runs a VFX studio in Brooklyn. <laughs> I think he's like a childhood friend of theirs. <laughs> anyway, he's on LinkedIn. You can hire him. It's pretty funny. When um, I watch Dune again for a second time, which is really interesting, I I I have like have thoughts about Dune, and they're like coming out, and I watch it, and I'm like. You know, it's hard because I'm watching it both, like, at me as a guy that's read the book, but not a huge fan. And then people, like, haven't read the book. And I'm like, would this make any sense? Like, but is that, I? I really find it very compelling that he took a chance on, like, making a non-obvious storyline and he didn't lead a horse to water on every little point. Like, it's very weird that this guy has visions and the visions turn out to be explicitly untrue and it's kind of confusing. And the whole dual-layered savior thing that he might be, like, the Tweezach hatch Hatterack as well as the, <laughs> the, the, the Fremen one. He could be either or, or both. And it's very confusing and layered. And, you know, I just, I don't know. I find it very fascinating. Uh, I get sucked in a lot and I'm, I'm into it. It's very well acted. I will say Jessica, especially, I just find to be a revelation. I think your acting is amazing. I am super, super sad. I think that might've been like one of the best roles that, uh, Aquaman guy ever played Jason Momoa and he's dead. It sucks. And like, Oscar Isaac is so great, and he's gone too, and that really bums me out. But uh And I really, like, part of me is like, the guy at Warner Brothers that decided to not greenlit production on two of these movies at once should be fired, but also, like, this film is intense and brooding and dark and, like, doesn't really end in a... You know, it just literally just stops. There isn't even, like, a big sort of Ben-Hur wide shot. It's just some people, like shuffling off down this hill trail you know I mean it's like there's a space there's only one battle it's dark and depressing and you know it's not entirely inconceivable this movie would have not done that well so maybe it was the right thing to do but now it sucks we gotta wait like two years it's ridiculous I mean two years isn't that long we waited three years when I was a kid for every Star Wars movie but god jeez I'm just so like in this zone, and I don't know, you know, it's hard to imagine waiting so long, uh, then we watched Shang-Chi, Legend of the Ten Rings, two nights ago, and it was fine, it was good, I mean, it was, it was real good at first, but then the plot got bad, and the the, uh, the swirling effects thing happened, where it's like, there's no more ground, and it's like, things fighting in clouds with dust, and you're just like, you, this is just animation, and, I don't like that and like there's serious plot problems with the Ten Rings and the the, the people of Tallow just deciding to all like the fact that the Ten Rings even posed a threat to the people of Tallow at all was absurd. Just completely nonsensical. <laughs> like one person from that town easily beat him in a duel long ago and none of his henchmen are as good as him and there's a lot more people in the town and they have magic and lions and shit like it was never, uh, whatever, it just kind of bothered me Uh, yeah, but I enjoyed the rest of it I love Aquafina. I think she's just so fantastic and like the bus thing was good and it was actually most of the action up until that dumb thing like the cage match stuff was good and like uh, the the, the building stuff was cool but yeah, the last, last third of the movie was just dumb just dumb. But not as dumb as the next movie I watched this time, which is No Time to Die, the James Bond movie, which is basically the last James Bond movie made over again. It's like, oh, hey, plot twist. James Bond is old. Like, you just did that last movie. Oh, the villain has a secret island. You literally did that in the last movie. That the villain had an island and it was abandoned in the Eastern Sea. That's literally the last movie. You did that. It's just so annoying. And like, yeah, I, I yeah. I'm. I mean, you just got the sense everybody knew that they're like, we need to move on with this. <laughs> it's time for a new Bond. Daniel Craig doesn't want to do it anymore. They know it. You know, everybody knows it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there was interestingly. I mean, I did not like Spectre either. I did not think that was a good movie. Actually, in a lot of ways, I thought this one was better. A lot of the film, I was engaged like up until the last third again, but um. And then, of course, the very end was engaging, but but just it's, it suffered from some plot problems like where was 007 in that whole Norway fight? Like, why? You know, I just yeah, uh, a lot of characters, motivations weren't adequately explained. Like the main villain, <laughs> Rami Malek's characters, motivations were not adequately explained. I have no idea what the scientist was doing, why he was doing what he was doing. It makes no sense. Uh, like the actual evil plot was unclear. <laughs> like, like the evil plot to kill millions, compare that to, like, I don't know, like Winter Soldier's evil plot to kill millions, or at least it was coherent and it made sense, right? This one, it's not like despotic, like nihilism. Like you think maybe it's idealism, and then they're like, the first buyer is on their way. You're like, wait, what? There's buyers? You're doing this for profit? What? Like, uh, it just made no sense. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's it for movies. Um, boop, 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 books, books. I finished *A Drink from the Well: The Struggle for Racial Equity at the Nation's Oldest Public University* by Gita and Kapoor, a book about the history of the University of North Carolina, which was intensely interesting and made me realize how racist the administrators, the trustees, now called the Board of Governors of that university, are. The most striking thing about the end of that book was that there was no point where it all got better. <laughs> like the civil rights era happened and like the civil rights act. And then the university fights it from the day that the civil rights act is passed through the nineties, not through the nineties, but into the nineties, they were fighting the civil rights act at UNC. And then, you know, there's the whole silent sand stuff that's happened since we lived here. And Then the trustees just giving millions of dollars in the statue to a bunch of avowed racists That made a lot of sense. That was super cool. Like, it's just never stopped. And then, of course, you know, it's not in the book because it's happened since then. But the the whole thing with, you know, Nicole Hannah-Jones, it's depressing. It's just depressing. Anyway, after that, I read Laser Rided 2 by Tamara Shopsin. Tamara Shopsin is one of the owners of Shopsin's Restaurant, which is a fantastic breakfast joint in the Lower East Side, of New York, that I used to go to all the time and I love. But she's an artist, an illustrator, and a writer, and she wrote this book that is effectively a history of TechServe, the Mac repair place in West Village that everybody in New York knows and loves. The place is amazing. Uh, and it's got a, like a novel in it, and then it's got some weird personifying of printer parts in it. and uh, But it's a lot of history of TechServe and Apple, too, as well. And it's just really like a, a warm trip down memory lane, shrouded in romance and poetry, basically. It was a great book. I really liked it. So I'm going to buy actually, I think I'm going to buy a print copy of it. I've been meaning to do that. I read it on Kindle. Uh, and now I am reading The Dawn of Everything, A New History of Humanity by David Graeber and David Wengrow. Wengrow, excuse me this book i just started it two days ago so i'm not very far into it 700 800 page book i'm only like 20 pages into it uh graber and Wengrow worked on this book for 10 years they turned in the manuscript just before david graber died last year uh, it is basically a complete rethinking of the history of humanity uh Sort of rejecting the Hobbesian and Rousseauian philosophies of mankind, of humankind, and looking to archaeology, anthropology, and philosophers from the non-Western tradition to make a new history of humanity. I haven't got very far in, but i am already completely bought in, and I am very, very excited about it. And I'm sure we'll talk about it a lot more in the coming weeks, because it's going to take me like a month to read the thing. Well, that's about it for this week. Thank you very much for listening. I have decided to continue on with this podcast. Enough of you. Enough of you. I needed to love, but you gave it, uh, including my mom. <laughs> We're like, keep going. So I will. Thank you for your kind words. I'm in a much better mood, even though if I f- don't physically feel awesome. But that'll be better next week, too. Talk to you soon. Take care. Be well.